together for Pastor Jacob. All right. Thank you, Lord. How is everyone this morning? Is this thing on? Okay. Gosh, how good is God? You have no idea how much respect I have for those pastors that minister out up there and how grateful I am to be called to Perth, Western Australia. Sometimes it's like, it's not lost on me, eh? <laughs> when I just go down to a McDonald's or to Coles or something and you just, it, it's, we, we've got a pretty cushy gig here. We really have a pretty cushy gig. Um, and I just thank you, Jesus. I'm just looking at those guys. I've stayed up with them different times and um, and it's not just the, the, the environment that's dangerous, the people that they're working with, the, the, some of the complexities are phenomenal. It's seriously, seriously dangerous business working up there. And um, these guys are just a walking, talking testimony of the grace of God and the fact that they just keep going 18 years, 18 years. That's hardcore. Just abs- These guys are my heroes. These guys seriously are my heroes. Um, so they, they're up in the Kimberley, and which is a perfect segue into what I want. <laughs> they always say, start a sermon with a story, because people like stories, and then it helps, like, anyway. <clears throat> I actually just had a story, and I've been looking for a chance. How can I work this into a sermon, because it's such a good story? <laughs> Welcome to Inside My Head. So we went up to the Kimberley recently. We, uh, our family took a trip. We rented a camper van and drove up to Broome. And to really understand that country, it is seriously, seriously remote. One of the, we've been on a trip uh, through the, the desert uh, going east and we learned a lesson on that trip was you fuel up at every station. Even if you've got like half a tank left or something, you still fuel up at every station because you just don't know when you get to the, a certain station if they're even going to have petrol or diesel. And so this is like a rule and I'm like, I'm right, right, this is our... You know, once you get to a certain level of remoteness, you change gears in your mind and you're just fueling up. And then we were, this big camper van was thirsty, like it didn't have a very long range because it just chewed so much juice. And then I'm like, all right, Mel, every fuel station we've got to stop. And then we come up to this fuel station and I'm like, we've got about like half a tank touch over. I'm like, oh, she'll be right. Tactical error, she'll be right. It's like, she won't be right. Anyway, so I'm like, you know, she'll be right. I'm looking at the, the little numbers on the, the thing saying your vehicle's got this amount of range left. And then I'm looking at the signs will come up and they'll tell you, you know, like the signs that tell you where places are up there. They're not about, a pl- they don't tell you where a place are. They tell you where the next petrol station is. It's like, because there's nothing else out there. There's just... Trees, if you're lucky, and a petrol station, and that's it. And there's all the signs, and they'll tell you how far to the next petrol station. And I'm looking on the gauge, it's saying like 300 k's to the next, that's how much pet, like range I've got. And then the little signs are saying 300 k's to the next petrol station. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, works out fine. Anyway, so I'm looking at, as I'm driving along, I'm looking at the gauge, and it's just going down. And this particular vehicle had it in like, the gauge was in these increments so it was like a semicircle and there was but it was broken up into little sections and then as one section got gone then it would just go away and this semicircle would be getting smaller and it was getting small like they're going away i'm watching the bits going away and i'm like thank you lord 
And then I start to get a little bit stressed because then what happened was the thing that said distance this vehicle can travel got to be less than the distance that the, the drawings, the, the, the signs were saying to the next servo. And I'm like, because like, look, when men go on camping trips or on trips like this, it's your responsibility. This is like yeah, the family wants to go on a family holiday. It's like, yeah, okay, everyone else gets a family holiday. Your job is to make sure nothing breaks down. If anything breaks, you fix it, you keep this, you got fires, all of the things, it's all you. I'm not complaining because I would take that over what Melissa was doing where she was looking after the kids a lot more. I would rather have been dragging the vehicle than doing that the way that they were behaving. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. And anyway, so I'm like, I'm not wanting to stress Melissa out because, like, you know, half of her husband's job is to not stress your wife out. You're like, you know, you just deal with stuff yourself and then you only flag it when it's getting really quiet, you know. And so I'm watching these little bars go down, tick, 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 and then they've got two little bars left and then the magic orange light popped on. It's like 100 kilometres to the next servo, even, even more like 120 kilometres to the next servo, and now the thing stopped telling me how far it was going to go. So you have nothing. All you have, and it's just like low fuel. That's all the information they were giving me. They were giving me no kilometres, not giving me nothing. And there was these two orange lights because the bars went orange now. They weren't just white, like friendly little white. They went orange, two of them. <sighs> I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And I, then I started to stress, like, like, I don't stress often or much, and I'm not good at it, but I did it. And then I'm praying, like, you know, I'm like, God help me. To be fair, I wasn't overly concerned about getting stuck in the bush because I just don't care. I'm concerned about Melissa getting stuck in the bush because she does care. <laughs> and when she cares, everybody cares. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, like, and then, it, and then, then it goes down from two bars to one bar. And I'm like, and, but then I felt God really, if I've ever heard God speak to me, ever, he said, you will be fine, you'll get to the service station, you won't run out of fuel. So I think he said that while the, the things were still light, the, the lights were still white. So like, if I've ever heard God speak to me, he spoke to me that day and said that. And then it got down to the two bars and then they turned orange and then it went to one bar and then that bar started blinking. It was flashing off and on. I'm like, what on earth? I'm like, Jesus, help me. Like, you know, drive my yellow Honda to the servo. <laughs> and um, that was like a praying in tongues thing. So you've left. Anyway, I'm, I'm packing and Mel's looking at me and I think I might have gone, I'm already white enough. And then I think I went like an extra shade of white. And Mel's like, are you okay? I'm like, uh, this is the first time I think she's realized anything's going on. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, not really. <laughs> and... and you know, in, in the 16 years this year that we've been married, I would have said not really when she's asked, am I okay, maybe three or four times. <laughs> like, you know, it was like I broke my arm. I was like, had massively in hospital. And the only way that she knew is because I texted her by accident saying, and then, and then she's like, oh, are you okay? I'm like in full on having surgery. Oh, yeah, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Just pop in on your way through. And so when she's saying not like, this is, I'm like, ah, not really. And then normally when I say that, she stresses out and gets a bit vocal. And, and this time, but I think she realised the severity of it and she didn't. And she's like, ooh. <laughs> and then I'm like, ooh. And I'm just like, thank you, Jesus. And I've got this blinking, angry, angry light. Flash, 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 flash. I'm like, Jesus, help me. 
No, because you didn't think it couldn't think it couldn't get any worse. Then the light went away. <laughs> there was no light. There just was nothing. It was just nothing. <laughs> and I'm really peaking at this moment. I'm like, all right, got to keep the aircons off in the car, driving at a reasonable speed, so you're not going to chew too much. And then I'm like, my brain started to panic, and I'm like, need to drive faster so I get to the petrol station sooner. And if you understand anything about the way cars work, that's not how it works. If you drive faster, it burns fuel less efficiently and I'm like oh god and I actually started to do it I'm like no 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 relax mate relax and then I kept just kept remembering how clearly I heard God speak and it just meant nothing to me it meant nothing if I'd ever heard God speak he said you'll get to the service station if I'd ever heard him speak I knew he spoke to me and even while I'm peeking out I'm like this is and I was actually able to step aside and see myself freaking out and I was looking at myself freaking out knowing that I'd heard God speak to me as clear as I'd ever heard him speak. And I'm like, wow. And I had the, the self-awareness to actually realize that I was having a biological response even though I had a supernatural promise. And I'm like, wow. And then all of a sudden I'm getting things going through my mind about scriptures where I've judged the characters in the Bible when God spoke and they didn't obey, where God spoke and they freaked out. Or, and, um, and I'm just thinking, wow, this is how it happens. And I'm like, I just was, well, I'm so totally at the, I had nothing I could do. I'm like, petrol station's that way. All I know is that I'm driving. God said, I'll get there. Nothing else seems to support that. We get to the petrol station. It was out of fuel. Thank you, Jesus. And then we had to go to the next one. Fortunately, it was just next door. And that was lucky because the one that was down the road, there was a little clump of three of them, and the next one down the road was out of fuel as well. So it was like, and, and I, I was able to fill up and, you know, hopefully learn my lesson. But what happened was God spoke. There was, he spoke to me. If I've ever heard him speak, he spoke to me that day. I heard him speak. I know the voice of God. I've walked with God for long enough to know his voice. I heard him speak. The problem was, is it didn't change my perception of reality. He spoke and I didn't believe. Fortunately, that wasn't one of the times when you need to believe to see the promise come through because it wouldn't have come through. But what I'm saying is he spoke and I didn't change. And that's what I really want to speak, speak to this morning is I want, to, I want us to... There's a story in the Bible where Jesus, he's, long story short, he, he's out and preaching heaps of people. Nearest we can understand from the scripture, there's... 5,000 families. So whatever that number is, we don't actually know. We do know that the number of men within the group was 500. I mean, sorry, 5,000. So we're assuming there was 5,000 families present. A lot of people sort of think maybe around the 15,000 mark of amount of people that were there. And Jesus is like, these guys are hungry. And his disciples are like, well, it's going to take 200 denarii to feed everyone and what that means is and it's interesting the way that they speak because that that particular amount of money was the equivalent of a day's wage 
to affect what they were really saying, the way that they were communicating. Even though they had a cash figure, that cash figure represented time, represented effort, represented work. That, so it represented 200 days, which is eight months worth of working days because they didn't work on the Saturday, being good Jews. So that worked out to be eight months worth of working days. So what they said, Jesus said, you guys feed everyone. The disciples' response was, it's going to take the equivalent of eight months' work to, in, in, in resources to purchase enough bread just to give everybody a tiny bit. And then Jesus said to them, well, look, get, get what you can and bring it here. They bring him one cut lunch, sandwich and some fish. And he supernaturally just makes this food go far enough to feed like 5,000 families. And then at the end of it, there's 12 big baskets of food left over. So that's, that's happened. Then Jesus is like, guys, I've got to have some time to myself. Uh, you guys go back across, you guys, you know, I'll meet you back home type thing. They've got a boat, they're all fishermen, so not all of them are fishermen, sorry, but a lot of them are fishermen, they're experienced uh, sailors. They get in a boat and they go across the lake. And in the middle of the night, storm kicks up, they start stressing, maybe a little bit like me, driving <laughs> through the red dirt with a petrol light blinking, and then maybe they got to the point where, well, they, then they saw this guy walking on the water. Now, they're thinking, it's a ghost. Basically, it's the Grim Reaper coming to get me. That's what they're thinking. Like, they're thinking it's a spectre. Basically, they're thinking this is, so for them, like, that fuel light stopped blinking and it's off now. There is no light. They're like, this is the Grim Reaper and he's coming to take us home. He's coming just to... This boat's going to sink and we're all going to die. Then, turns out that guy's Jesus. They have a little conversation. One of the translations, actually, one of the, the ver uh, Gospels talk about an, an incident that I'm going to leave out of my story where Peter hops out and walks with him for a little bit on the water. And then, Jesus gets in the boat and the storm calms. And now this is where I want to pick it up. This is where I want to pick the story up. Then he climbed into Matthew chapter 6 and verse 51. And then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Now, you would think, right, you encounter Jesus, Jesus does something amazing and we're completely amazed. You would think that that is the correct position the correct posture to take before Jesus after he does something cool. Completely amazed. And there must be like good kinds of completely amazed and bad kinds of completely amazed. Because if we look at this, Jesus isn't impressed with their amazement. Because it's a word, amazement. He's not imp it says, they were completely amazed for, for means because, because they had not understood about the loaves, the reason they didn't understand about the loaves is their hearts were hardened. 
The Passion Translation puts it like this. Their doubting hearts had not grasped his authority and power over all things in spite of just having witnessed the miraculous feeding. Their hearts were hardened. Their hearts did not adjust. The miracle that Jesus did feeding the 5,000 should have adjusted their thinking, should have recalibrated their brain, should have. It didn't. A hard heart doesn't change its opinion. A hard heart holds on to the facts that it has despite external stimuli proving to the contrary. A hard heart doesn't learn. You know, they say, there's a, there's a saying, I think it's such a beautiful saying, is if your child doesn't learn after you've told him a hundred times, it's not the child who's dumb. <laughs> hey, look, I'm just as guilty of that as everybody, but, but the idea is, is like, you can't keep doing the same thing the same way. You know, break it a little bit more personal... If your husband has kept leaving his socks next to the laundry basket for the past 20 years, get over it. And you're losing your cool about it? Just, it's just, this is your life, man. (laughs) This is your life. Why, like, why lose, at some point, this, you have to accept the reality because you're fighting against the tide. <laughs> no, it's, and a lot of it's like this, like, it's learn. It's like, okay, and I'm not saying that people shouldn't try it, guys. Let's put our stuff in the laundry basket. It's not that hard. Shame on you. And like it, some of it's like, but, but what I would like to say, because I'm sure in some families it's the other way around, possibly. But what I, it's, it's like you, you, you keep losing your cool because you're not adjusting your reality. You're not adjusting your perception of reality. What you are doing, you're locking on to how you think sh- things should be. You're holding the line. You're standing your ground. And all you do, it's called hard-headed. It's hard-headed. Testadore is the Italian for hard head. It's one of the only Italian phrases I know, but it really... <laughs> and, and it's like, but what I'm getting is, and, and, and Jesus is challenging these people here. He says they didn't get it because they were hard-headed. They, the, the, the miracle of the f- miraculous feeding was supposed to adjust their thinking. It should have changed. So, so it says, now I just find this so confronting. They were completely amazed because they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. 
what it's saying is they should not have been completely amazed when they saw Jesus walking across the water. He had just proven that time, space, the fundamentals of physics on planet Earth bend to his will. He's just demonstrated that radically. Now he's invited them to interact with him on that level. They're still interacting with him on their level. And Jesus has invited them higher, but they haven't come higher. Now, what? And, and, and Jesus has invited us to come higher. This scripture is written for you and me, inviting us higher. The scripture is like, it's living and active. The, the, it, it describes itself as powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between the joints and marrows, the motives and the intentions of the heart. Basically what it's saying is if, if you'll let it, it'll get in there and do its work. And when we read that Jesus distributed one cut lunch between 5,000 families, that's supposed to change our mind. I don't mean our opinion. It's supposed to change the way we process life. And I'm going to bring you the question, has it changed your life? Or are you driving after Jesus said you'll get where I said you will go and you're freaking out because the the wind and the waves are boisterous? That's a very, very... Old King James term, boisterous. It's such a boisterous wave. Are you? Are you? Or are we people that let the promises of God, let the the history of God change the way we process life? Because at some point, we have to get off the throne. Jesus put it like this. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent can mean... It can mean turn from your sins. It can mean that and turning from your sins is part of repenting. But what the word actually means is change the way you think. 180 degree shift in thinking. That's all it means. If the context of repent is talking about sin, that's when it means turn from sin. Every other time, it just means change the way you think. And then in the context, however, Jesus has introduced the context. And when he said, most of the time he would say, repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. Change the way you think because the dominion of heaven is here. Change the way you think because I'm on the scene. And that's the invitation. Now, there's this amazing, (laughs) I love, kids are awesome. Do you know who else thinks kids are awesome? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is good. (laughs) <laughs> likes his anyway it says here Luke chapter 18 verse 17 truly I tell you that any if you will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it he's saying if you don't receive the reality of heaven on earth the same way a little kid will you miss it see my kids that they've had the privilege of growing up in a reasonably stable christian home where we are bible believing pentecostal word of faith believe in the gifts and promises of god 
and you know, like one day, one day that dog went blind, and like we took it to the vet. Cancer, the dog's, you know, God rest its little ginger soul. And then they're like, "Daddy, pray for the dog." <laughs> I'm like, "I don't pray for a dog." I'm like, oh. and the thing I'm telling you, this thing was blind, man. I'm talking like its eyes were just like blue. Who, any Street Fighter fans here? Remember Raiden? He was like the blue eyes. It was. This dog was blind and dying, and then I took it to the vet, and then the vet, two vets came in, assessed it, and they both gave me the professional opinion: the dog is blind and dying. And then they said I needed to take it to a vet cancer specialist, a dog cancer. I didn't even know the things existed. And I said, look, lady, I paid $200 for this dog. She's been a good dog. I'm not, taking <laughs> I'm not paying for this thing to go to a cancer doctor. I'll go buy a new dog. <laughs> I mean, I love my dog, but I'm but like, well, I live in, you know, I grew up in Belmont, man. Went up <laughs> thousands of dollars to get a dog fixed. Anyway, and the vet's like, look, I won't charge you for this visit. If you promise me you'll take it to, the, to, the, to this specialist vet. And I'm like, I, I'm doing it purely out of guilt at this point. Because she, her and her other vet mate have come in. They've like gone around and they felt the cancer. And there's like, no. And I'm like, I'm just embarrassed. I'm like, well, okay. And because I'm a Christian, I have to do what I say. And then anyway, so we're at, um, we're at, a, we're at a men's get-together be that night or the night after and then we're reading out of the bible because we're very spiritual men and, and then it was a thing in in um, the, the blessings of god the the blessings of abraham in, in deuteronomy chapter 28 the, the god just starts to spell out the reality of living with him the reality of how he wants life and in one of the realities he says your animals are blessed and i read that and i thought yeah could do that, could do with my dog being blessed. Lord, I hold that promise. Cool. Next day, my dog could see. She was totally fine. Still had this appointment at the cancer doctor that I can't even remember how much I had to pay for the dog to get looked at. But because I'm a Christian and I said I was going to and the lady didn't make me pay for hers, I'm like, dog's fine. Why do I need to go to the vet? You know, something about Jesus and integrity. So I take this dog to the vet and I tell him the story. I don't know if I told him I read out of Deuteronomy 28 and the promises and I was like, Shundi, the dog, kids had me pray for the dog. But, and the dog's fine and he's looking at it and he's read their notes because they've emailed him and he's like doing all the touching. He's like, there's no cancer here. She's perfectly fine. He fed her a full pack of smackos. He was throwing it in the air and catching them. Like she wasn't blind anymore. And like, so my kids, this is, uh, and they come home, oh yeah, great, Jesus healed our dog. Tra-la-la-la-la, back off to life. This is their reality. That's the reality. They've grown up with that. Now, my kids, if there's a problem, they're asking for prayer. Yeah, and they ask me as well. <laughs> they don't ask mum. <laughs> they're like, he healed the dog. He's the one I'm praying for. Oh, he'll come pray for me. But that's the first thing. It's like, if they're feeling sick, come pray for me. But that's their reality. That's, that's their norm. Because the miracle adjusted their perception. The miracle changed how they processed life. That's what's supposed to happen. Now, for us, we have to understand that the blessings that God put, that he's got for us, 
they, we have to take them on board and let them shape our reality. We have to let that, we have to use that as our calibration tool. We cannot let life condition us. We cannot let experience condition us. We cannot let the world condition us. Do you know what uh, the Apostle Paul said? He actually said, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. What's he saying? Don't let life condition you, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing means your mind needs to be changing. Your mind needs to be adjusting as Jesus puts a miracle in front of you. As you read a miracle in the Bible, you're supposed to be getting changed. Your mind is getting renewed. Your mind is supposed to be getting shifting to the kingdom way of thinking. And <laughs> Jesus wants to mess you up. Like he wants to mess you up. And so what we will have times where we will pray for somebody and we will see no outcome. I've prayed for a lot of people that have died. Prayed for a lot of people that have lived. I can't, but the Bible doesn't say, pray for people and some are going to live and some are going to die. Do your best. God's will, kumbaya. It doesn't say that. It says, lay hands on the sick. Yeah. They will, definite article, recover. Yeah. That's all it says. There's no ifs and buts and hopefullys. Actually, the only time where we see in the Bible where someone was prayed for and there was no outcome, they asked Jesus, what was, like, you know, we prayed for a miracle here and there was no miracle. Do you know what Jesus said to his disciples, to the ministers? He said, it's because of your lack of faith. It's like it's on you, man. You, your mind wasn't adjusted enough. You didn't understand what you would, you didn't understand how I operate enough. And so what we have to do is we have to take our failures before God. Say, hey, God, I know you didn't fail. I know your word says they will recover. I didn't experience that then. Please help that not shape my thinking. And lean on the word and let that shape your thinking. Now, I just, there's a scripture in, Galatians in chapter 3 and verse 14. Now, this scripture has recently sort of, I've been just living in Galatians 3 for probably a few years now. And this verse is the Bible summed up in one verse. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 14. Literally the whole of Scripture in a nutshell says this. He redeemed us. Who's he? Jesus. Jesus redeemed us. That's the first part of the whole point of the Bible. Is he, bought, he, he, he bought his kids home. He made an avenue for us to connect with God. He redeemed us. In order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. He saved you so you would be blessed. He saved you so you would walk in his supernatural blessing. The second part of the Bible, life, doesn't stop there. So that the blessing is just a vehicle. 
The blessing is just a vehicle. The blessing is there. All the stuff promised in the blessing is there. But it's not about the stuff. That's just a vehicle, but we get the stuff. Thank you, Jesus. So that by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. We need to have the blessing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what that's saying. But what this is saying is a total, the total journey of salvation is God redeems us, He blesses us, and then He wants us to, use, to, to operate with His Spirit. Basically, it's like you get saved, you get blessed, now go get other people saved, essentially. It's almost a bit like what Jesus said when He was ascending the day He left, going to all the world, make disciples, baptizing Him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit telling them, teaching them to obey my ways. It's, it's this whole, we're invited into that reality. We are invited into that reality. There's a place in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 17 that says, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. That has to wreck your head. You have to let that wreck your head. You have to let that change how your mind used to work if you are baptized in the holy spirit you have the fullness of god living in you you have the very power of heaven flowing through you you can do whatever jesus did you can go take this one step further and this is another head wrecker jesus said greater things will you do he says people that believe in me they'll do these things but they'll do better. And we get challenged with that. And, and, and people trying to explain it away. What they try to do is diminish the promise, diminish the instruction, diminish the, compa- the command. But do you know what Jesus would just, what he would say of those people? He would say, they have not understood. Their hearts were hardened. They didn't get it. Their hearts were hardened. We need to be reading this book and letting it transform our minds. We have to let this book wreck us for the life that we've known. We have to be transformed. And my challenge this morning, and what I really hope that we get out of this morning's message, is that we're not going to be completely amazed when God does stuff. I'm not saying we're not going to be impressed. I'm not, going to say, not saying we're not going to be appreciative. I'm not even going to say we're not in awe. But what I'm going to say is that we should not spin out. We should not... We shouldn't get challenged. We shouldn't let it... We shouldn't disagree with it. Like when God says, you'll get there. You'll get there. So this is when I was driving on that trip. The story that really came to my mind was when Jesus, another boat trip for these disciples, different one, Jesus said to them, let's go to the other side. Basically, he said, we're going over there, boys. I'm having a nap. He's having a nap on this boat. starts to sink. starts to, the waves are battering it. It's, the sea is very boisterous. And they start freaking out. They start freaking out. And every time I've read that book, that story, I'm like, oh, they're freaking out. Jesus said, go to the other side. Jesus is in your boat. You don't have to worry about it sinking. Uh, 
you stupid little disciples. Ye of little faith. If I was there, I would have been totally cool. And I realized, nah, I wouldn't have. <laughs> I was packing it in a, driving in a van. <laughs> There's no waves about to run me over or drowning. And I'm like, wow, wow, wow. We need to let God, we need to let his word shape us. When he says we're going to the other side, we've got to be saying, okay. And when, oh, church, when, when, when the waters rise, when the winds come. Jesus said, that's all. And I just, I think God, I can even really feel this morning, God's just wanting to put a rod of steel in our backbones. I can feel it. Just another, just another layer of just solidness in us. Because if you're anything like me, you've probably got about six great things happening in your life and about six things that are falling apart and on fire. And you're like, thank you, Jesus. And, and I don't think, but you've got to stop fighting it because that's life. It's the same as your husband's socks. Stop fighting it. This is life. Choose your battles. Because Jesus said we're going to the other side. And our job is to say, okay. And I'm going to pray, church. I do, God's moving. I can, I can feel it. God, do that moving in me too, please. I could definitely use some of this. Before I pray, I'm going to pray, and, and I just really think God's going to do some cool things. Before I do that, though, we talk about believing God, believing what he says. But the first, but it starts, remember that scripture I just read, that he redeemed us? It starts by asking God to redeem you. And what that means is asking, asking him to forgive you. Asking him to come into your life, to take charge of your life. We're going to pray a prayer as a church, and most people in this church would have already prayed this prayer and would already be what they would what you would call born again believers but we're all going to pray it and if you're here and 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 you you're not walking with god and whether you've never walked with god or maybe you've strayed i invite you to join us in prayer because god will do a miracle in your heart if you're joining us online you pray along as well I repeat after me, church. Dear God, forgive me of my sin. Today, I choose to follow you. Help me. Guide me. Bless me. Shape me into who you would have me become. From today forward, I'm yours. Now, just with every head bowed and every eye still closed, nobody's looking around. If that's you and you made that decision this morning, I just invite you to put your hand in the air just so I can see it. I'd love to pray with you personally later on. Just one moment longer. If you're online and that's you, please reach out to us in the comments or private message us. We'll get some resources to get you started on your journey. Amen. I'm going to pray, and I just think, can I just get everyone to stand? Because 
If you're, I don't say if you're comfortable, lift your hands. I just say lift your hands. If you're not comfortable, just do that anyway, because who cares? Just lift your hands, guys. The Bible talks about lifting your hands, your holy hands of prayer. Lord, I just bless this congregation, Lord. We submit ourselves to your word. We submit ourselves entirely to your word, God. We just, we bow out, we bend our knee, Lord God. We bow our hearts and we say, if you say it, we believe it. We invite you to transform our mind, Lord. We invite you, we invite you to transform our mind, Lord. We choose, we choose like the small child, God, just to be children who repent on a regular basis. Children who, as we see new truth from you, as we see miracles, Lord, as we see things in your word, we would let that shape our minds, Lord God. We would let that shape our belief, Lord. Lord, where life and experiences contradict what your word says, God, that we would not let that shape us. We would not conform to the pattern of the world. But we would only, we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds, Lord God. Lord, we invite you to have all of us. Invite you into every place, Lord. Do what only you can do in our lives. Lord, I love this passage. It says that what would have taken men eight months, you did in a moment. What it took people, what would have taken people eight months of labor, eight months of full days of working, took you a moment. Lord, for those guys, if, if, you're, if you're one of those people that need a moment from God, just a moment, where God just intervenes in your life, just put your hand on your heart and say, that's for me. Lord, that you would intervene. Intervene, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to worship church. We're just going to let God do his work. I know he's not done ministering here. Hallelujah, God. We just invite you into these places, Lord God. Thank you, mighty Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus.